Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 21. Here's Pastor Ryan. Turn with me in your Bibles this evening to 2 Chronicles chapter 21. That's 2 Chronicles chapter 21. And give me an amen once you are there. The Chronicles of the Kings. 2 Chronicles chapter 21. So, Father, again, we're just so grateful for you this evening. We love you because you first loved us. And Lord, you're with us for the entirety of our lives. And then as we continue on into eternity, we will always be with you. And you will never leave us nor forsake us, Lord, no matter how cold and dark the night, it's as day and as summer to you. The cold is nothing to you, Lord. You can, everything's warm when we are your children and seeking your face. You make uh, winter, summer for us. And so we're just grateful for your presence with us tonight, Lord. We ask that as we study your word that you would speak to us in a clear way. You know what we need. You know what we're going through. And I just pray, Holy Spirit God, that you would lead us into all truths. Give us humble hearts. Pour out your grace. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. And so, as you know, uh, the good king Jehoshaphat, the famous Jehoshaphat, has died, has been buried uh, with his fathers in Jerusalem. And now his son, Jehoram, is uh, going to reign in his place. We know that Jehoshaphat was a good king, but he had his failures. In chapter 19, he was rebuked sharply by Jehu, the seer of the Lord, who told him that the wrath of the Lord was upon him because he had aligned himself with the wicked king Ahab. You know, should you love those? Should you help the wicked? Should you love those who hate God? It was told to him. And he said, because of this, the wrath of God is upon you. And then he said, nevertheless, uh, good things are found in you. That's a good thing that God would say that, and that you have removed the wooden images and uh, from the land and have prepared your heart to seek God. He was a man who sought the Lord. He was a man who got rid of all of the pagan idols as much as possible and did all those wonderful reforms. And so because of that, whenever the wrath was going to come, God was going to be merciful. We don't read about anything really coming towards them other than the ships of, of uh, that were to go to Tarshish were destroyed because he aligned himself uh, with the with the wicked king again. But anyhow, we're going to see in this chapter the wrath of God being played out against Jehoshaphat in the life of his son Jehoram. Jehoram would be a wicked king, and so we start uh, uh, in this chapter, but. Before we start, Jehoram, his son, would be a wicked king. 
And the reminder for us all, the exhortation for us all, is how we need to be careful in the life that we live before God. We have to be careful in the life that we live before God because our families are watching. Our families are watching. And even though Jehoshaphat was a good king, he still, you know, made couple of huge mistakes and to whom much is given much is required that he would align himself with a wicked king and almost and go into battle in support of a wicked king and then almost get killed because he went in support of a wicked king all of that was huge to God and though he was most of his life just spot on with God everyone knew that he had made that terrible judgment that terrible move to have an affinity with a wicked king and it goes The same with all of us. We have to be careful the life we live before God because our families are watching. They need to see us live a life that's good before the Lord. Not perfect because there's no perfect mom or dad, grandma, grandpa, brother, sister. There's no perfect family. But generally, we should be careful in the life we live because the greatest instruction that we can give concerning God to our family, brothers especially, you men I speak to. The greatest instruction that we can give our families is the life that we live before them in our homes. And for you single moms, same thing. For you grandparents who have a huge influence on your grandchildren, same thing. It's the life that you live that is the greatest instruction of who God is in the home. We know the Proverbs that say in Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they shall not depart. We know that. It's true that if we train them up in the ways of the Lord, we increase their odds that they are going to choose to walk in the ways of the Lord by raising them in the ways of the Lord. We increase their odds. There's a lot of godly parents who do mostly everything right and their kids still go the wrong way. Why is that? Because God has given everyone free will. Everyone free will. And our children uh, will have to choose for themselves who they're going to serve. But we need to give them the best opportunity or the best odds by living a life that is well before the Lord in our homes. Um. Hypocrisy is a big thing, not perfection. No one can be perfect, but we need to guard against hypocrisy. God came to change lives. And in our homes, we should be demonstrating to our children and grandchildren, nieces and nephews, that we are changed in Christ, that we are a people that lives in their home by the power of the Holy Spirit, that bears the fruits of the Spirit. I'm so blessed that in my home, I'm not known at all as a perfect father or a perfect husband. That's for sure. I'm blessed because they get to see uh, me kind of eat pie sometimes, which is good for humility at home. When fathers and husbands uh, are called by the Lord to apologize, some men never apologize. I'm I'm grateful that I I get to apologize to my wife. I get to apologize to my children when I mess up. Then I'm not above 
admitting my faults when I blow it. And some men have never said sorry to their kids. They're so stuck on how their dads were and the old ways were that God can't even maneuver within their lives because they're so stuck on tradition, men don't apologize. Or my father never said he loved me or apologized. And so it, I don't do it to my kids. All that is, is unbiblical and it's wrong. We are new uh, creations in Christ. We are to leave our mother and our fathers and be joined together with our wives and the two shall become one flesh. And that leaving and cleaving means, man, I'm going to take the good that my father showed me and my mother showed me and I'm going to throw away the bad that they showed me. And we should be affectionate to our children. We should be loving towards our children. We should apologize when we need to to our children. It shows them that in Christ, there's a redemption happening all the time, even in on a micro level within our homes, that we, 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 we mess up, we say sorry, we move on. The blood of Christ cleanses us. Amen? <clears throat> and in fact, Moses, when in Deuteronomy 6, 7, that's a beautiful verse. That to me, it even blesses me more than the previous verse I mentioned of Proverbs. In, and the Lord said through Moses, you shall teach them diligently to your children. That's the commandments, the word. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. I mean, that's all personable. Whenever you're with them, when you're hanging out at the house, when you're sitting down, when you're standing up, when you're on, on a, cruising in the car, walking, just in your normal life with your children or family members, the Holy Spirit will, will, will show you and I how to apply God to the situation, whether it's through nature or just whatever God puts on your heart. It should be natural. Naturally, you should talk about God. Naturally, you should share with the children how God forgives us of our sins and how we're not perfect. And as family members, we ought to forgive quickly as Christ has forgiven us. And as fathers and mothers and grandparents, we should be affectionate or just be as affectionate as God is to you. And he's very affectionate. He's very giving. He's very loving. He's very merciful. Right? He doesn't hold grudges. Right? And all of those things come into play in the family life and in the realm of hypocrisy. If our children see that, that parents are unforgiving, that, oh, Pops holds a grudge. Oh, he forgives, but he ain't the same for like two weeks. That, that father is, is asking for it, and God's going to chasten him one way or the other because that's not a good example of how God is. God doesn't save you and I, forgive us, and then puts us on probation. Does that make sense? Verse 1 says, And Jehoshaphat rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. Then Jehoram, his son, reigned in his place. He had brothers, the sons of Jehoshaphat, Azariah, Jehiel, Zechariah, Azarihu, Michael, and Shephathiah. All these were the sons of Jehoshaphat, king of Israel. 
Their father gave them great gifts of silver and gold and precious things with fortified cities in Judah. But he gave the kingdom to Jehoram because he was the firstborn. So we see here just a sweet thing here that Jehoshaphat leaves an inheritance to his sons, right? Uh, silver and gold, great gifts and precious things and some fortified cities. We just see uh, uh, Jehoshaphat doing as a good king and a good father would do. He leaves some of the wealth to his children. Um, I do believe that it's dangerous for parents to overly spoil their children. There is a thing I saw on social media that said, you know, if you spoil your kids, you'll have to raise your grandkids. But if you, but if you're strict with your kids, you get to spoil your grandkids, right? I, I would just say this when, you know, he's giving the inheritance out. He's being a good father. He's being a good king. I would just say when it comes to leaving our children an inheritance, there's nothing that we have had in our lives that hasn't first been given to us by God. Not a thing. Whether we received an inheritance from parents or grandparents or aunts and uncles or great-grandparents, whether we received an inheritance or never have received an inheritance, or whether someone grew up poor and then made a good life for themselves, worked hard and, and built up an inheritance for them. No matter how we come across possessions and lands and houses and money, it's by the grace of God that we have received those things. God gave you the energy. God gave you the, the strength. It wasn't you. It wasn't me. It was him. God gave you the strength to wake up and go to work. God gave you the strength to... All of those things that we've done, to go to the interviews, to do what you have to do, all of those, it's all orchestrated by the grace of God. So when it comes to our children, I love how the kings, just because of the sake they are their, their, their heirs, they're gonna, they're just gonna hand it to them. And, and, uh, it blesses my heart to see that, you know, God's the God of the fatherless. I'm one that I know. I did my father's funeral and didn't receive a, a penny from him, and I nor did I want to receive a penny from him. I grew up without a father. But I did the funeral. Why? Because my father in heaven has called me to serve him. And he is my inheritance, as he is your inheritance. Right? He is our inheritance. Peter said, we're looking forward to that inheritance in heaven, right? That doesn't fade away, that we are just wealthy beyond means. But there is something to be said about caring for or leaving something, excuse me, for our children, as it says in Proverbs 13, 22, that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. The Lord says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Now, I know there's exceptions to the rule if you have kids that have uh, forsaken you or abuse you or, you know, you use discernment of the Holy Spirit, obviously. However, if things are generally okay, I think it's 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 a godly thing for a parent to release it as God gave to them freely, that they release it freely to their children as the Lord needs. I just think it's a loving gesture. And I know that parents with, uh, or grandparents sometimes, the money starts messing with their heads as it messes with the kids. Why am I going down this road? 
because when I was seeking the Lord, it just started coming. So it's coming. And it can mess with both, right? The kids, like, can't wait for grandparents to pass away. Or, you know, there's some bad things that go through the heart of sinful people. And then there's the other side where moms and dads and grandparents kind of use it as a weapon. You know, sitting at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa for those four years, from time to time, Pastor Chuck would rebuke the older folks in service, lovingly, of course. However, as a young guy, just it was just awesome to see just like older folks dealing with each other. And I remember him saying one time, you know, and it was over the psalm where David said, you know, my... You know, forsake me not in my older age, you know. And he said to the older folks, don't put a trip on your kids or your grandkids. You haven't called me. You need to call me every single week. You need to come over all the time. And 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 he said to them, don't put that trip on them. Yeah, they should come see you. But don't make them feel bad all the time because it's they're not calling you every Tuesday at 3. Because as we grow older, we still have a relationship with the Lord that keeps us very busy and blessed. So that it's not all, oh, you know, we become obsessive. But it's terrible to hear those cases where like, oh, at the last moment, mom and dad or grandparents, they remove their grandchildren or children from their wills because they didn't, you know, see them enough. And and it's, it's, it's you know, in a negative sense, of course, guys. You know what I'm saying? In a negative sense where where they're just making something big out of, something that really wasn't that big. They were just using the inheritance as a tool to to force a closer kind of, you know. Does it not happen? Of course it happens. Of course it happens. Then the children don't end up telling their parents the truth about the parents' conditions. They become yes men because they're afraid to lose that inheritance. Anyways, in Christ, he works all that out. All I'm saying is, God sure does give you and I a lot, and we're not perfect. Right? You know, he's given me so much, and it's called grace. Unmerited favor. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. He's just a good God. So I think that that's how we should observe the the possessions and blessings he's given us. Their father gave them great gifts of silver and gold and precious things with fortified cities in Judah, but he gave the kingdom to Jehoram because he was the firstborn. Now, when Jehoram was established over the kingdom of his father, he strengthened himself and killed his brothers with the sword and also others of the princes of Israel. I mean, he gets right to it, doesn't he? Married to Ahab's daughter. Wicked Ahab. His daughter was wicked. Jehoram is definitely influenced by them 
and he's going straight devil on this. He's going straight Satan, straight wickedness, straight like the northern kingdom kings in Israel, straight to darkness, kills all his brothers and all of the princes. What is that act saying other than he doesn't want any influence of Jehovah upon his kingdom? He wants no influence of God in his life. He's getting rid of, I believe, those who would have held him accountable to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's gotten rid of all of them. They're all gone. They're all dead. In Proverbs, we're told in Proverbs 15, 22, that without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counsels, counselors, they are established. And so he didn't want the influence of godly counselors. He didn't want the influence of the Lord in his life, so he got rid of them. We see, obviously, in a smaller sense and on a micro level, this can take place within the church with those that are backsliding, those who are trying to uh, pull away from accountability uh, from the church, because church, part of the church's reality is accountability. When we all come here and say hello to one another and get to know it, where this is a family, and in the, fa- in the family of God, there is accountability. We haven't seen you in some time, we say, if we haven't seen them. But there are folks who are trying to get rid of godly influence in their life, even within the church. And that is why they come so infrequently, uh, or infrequent, without an L-Y. <laughs> infrequent. Because they don't want accountability. Do you know anybody like that? Want to name them right here, right now, while we're here tonight? No, I'm just kidding. But if you think about it, there's there are folks who just, you know, if I go, I'll be accountable. I'll hear, where have you been? Or, you know, we miss you. And, you know, I just want to be alone for whatever reason, other than not wanting godly influence. Not wanting godly. There are people who refuse to serve within their church because then... I'd really be accountable. They, I, they'd really get to know me and I'll get to know them and they'll know that I'm not there and I'll have accountability and that's not what I want. I don't want godly influence in my life. And sometimes they'll look for other friends, quote unquote Christians, who are less apt to hold them accountable. Friends that'll tell them what they want to hear. There's all kinds of weird things that happen as far as people not wanting godly influence in their life. Don't let it happen to you. Pray people back into the church and hold your friends or family accountable to get plugged in. The, one, the, the, the reason for the church is accountability. Is accountability so that we can stir one another up for good works, the Bible says. Don't forsake the assembling of one another, but stir each other up in love and in good works. That's the calling of the church. That's what God intended the body of Christ to be, that we would work together as one unit, that we would endeavor to keep the unity of the saints. Why? Because there is strength when we're accountable. 
Because through wise counsel, the Bible says, wage your wars of life. We all have problems that we are trying to solve. We go through life and we deal with this or that and job loss and family issues and you name it, hardships. It's within the body of Christ that we minister to one another. We don't go away from that. This guy killed off his brothers. He killed off the princes so that he would not have any accountability. And those who do that within the church, they think that God doesn't see. Jehoram got to the point where he believes God does not see. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.